0: This episode is powered by Safety FM.
1: The Crucial Talks Podcast with your host, Mike Saddam. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crucial Talks Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Saddam. And if you could do me a quick favor, I'd really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast and subscribe to it. That would help us tremendously. Also, if you have any questions for me, please feel free to reach out to me by visiting www.crucialtalks.com or through LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, email, whatever works for you. Now, as you know, the Crucial Talks podcast really focuses on a strength-based, positive approach to human behavior. We focus on how to get the most out of our work and life by having stronger relationships, trust, and self-esteem gained from groups. Lately, you may have seen some of my posts about workplace bullying and the workplace experience. And I've pointed some of my past episodes that can help people in those areas. Now, because of those posts, I was able to make contact with a few people that think like I do, that want to have this positive workplace experience, that want to help people realize that goal of having a positive work experience. They want people to have a better experience at work. They want people to believe that there is no place for bullying or abuse in the workplace. And they are focused on helping others that have to deal with those toxic environments. And today's guest is Deb Falzoy. Did I see that right, Deb? It's a Falzoy. Falzoy, Yeah, pretty close. (laughs) So today's guest is Deb Falzoy, and she created Dignity Together. Now, this is an organization that is focused on helping workers cope with workplace abuse and provides a resource for employees or employers to provide healthy workplaces. So today, I'm really, really happy that Deb gets to join us on this discussion about a positive workplace experience. How are you doing today, Deb? Great. How are you doing? I am doing good. and. As we move into this conversation about how to make the workplace better, how to prevent bullying, how to give workers resources to kind of combat this workplace bullying issue, can you tell us a little bit about you and how you got to this place where you're you're really a champion for a positive workplace experience? How did you get to this place where you're trying to help so many people?
0: Sure. So about 10 years ago, I was actually – bullied at work. Um, It was a job where there were um, false accusations, some sabotage in it. um, I was in a kind of a unique situation because a lot of people who feel bullied at work tend to feel isolated and they might, the bully might get others to join in. But in this case, the bully was actually, you know, being abusive towards a, a bunch of people, a bunch of people who ended up doing what I would call, um, like, textbook reporting of the abuse, so going to higher-ups, going to HR, and at every turn, the situation was just ignored. Um, I was working in the Boston area at the time and just looked online for resources and couldn't find much of anything. I didn't really even know what to call what was happening. I eventually found that it was called workplace bullying or workplace abuse, and I found a professor at Suffolk Law who had authored legislation about workplace bullying to hold employers accountable for abusing employees at work. So I connected with him, and um, we we had a small group put together to try to make this um, legislation, you know, to try to have a backing with the legislation. And we've just been running with it ever since. Um, my background's in marketing, so I've been working on the awareness building side of it. And so I get a chance to, to correspond directly with people who've been abused at work. And I hear a lot of stories. Um, and so, I, I sort of found that people were having trouble finding resources of what to do in their exact situation um, while they're being bullied, and on the the healing end of it, I also found that a lot of people weren't finding therapists who understood the issue. And I also found through my own experience in management of not of of understanding what not to do, but not necessarily understanding what effective ways are to um, let employees, you know, have a a feeling of having power at work. Um, So through Dignity Together, this organization that I started, I'm able to help people through online classes. Um, We're starting free live support groups nationwide. Um, We're trying, just trying to get people the help that they need to take them out of isolation, to help them feel validated with what they're dealing with, to help them understand that they're not the problem in this, and then to um, get them connected with therapists who understand the situation. And then on the other side, to help managers um, have some tools to learn how to manage without having to resort to abuse tactics if if, you know, if they're interested in that. There, some, a lot of managers are interested in just power, but this would be specifically for um, managers who, who want to help their employees but just don't know how.
1: Well, and I think you said a couple of key points there that I want to touch on, and the first one is huge. The first one is that you said that a lot of people that feel bullied at work, they feel isolated. And this notion of isolation due to workplace bullying or due to workplace abuse is huge when we're talking about people because people are, I mean, we're social animals that get esteem from social belonging. So, one of these issues that I see and that I, I hear coming from you, and I hear that word isolated again, is the fact that when people are bullied at work or they are abused in some way at work, even if it's not physical, right? It's, it could be mostly mental. They feel isolated. Mm -hmm. And then you said that, that dignity together and the tools that are available take them out of isolation. So I'd like to kind of hit on this topic of isolation, how it relates to the workplace experience. So what do you see with respect to isolation as, as kind of being a negative thing? Like when when somebody's cut from the herd or when they feel alone at work, what does that actually do to performance or what's that do to their their psychological ability, their cognitive ability to do their job?
0: Yeah, so one of the techniques that that abusers will often use it, with workplace bullying is gaslighting. So they'll convince the the target over time that they're the actual problem. We see that a lot with domestic abuse. And um, that can often be, you know, lead to feelings of incompetence and inadequacy, not feeling good enough for the target. But then, the abuser will also convince others that this is the case. So you'll have a, a highly competent, highly ethical employee who whose competence and ethics often pose a threat to the bully because they might not or often don't possess that same level of competence and ethics, and so they. They convince other people that the target's not the problem as a way to sort of get people to not pay attention to their own flaws. Um, so then that that leads to isolation. And then that convincing that the tar- of the target that they're not good enough um starts to kind of make that 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 problem become true. So they're because they're they're suffering from anxiety or depression or PTSD. Um, they can actually th- their performance can actually go down. and they can the very um, image that the the bully trying to create actually eventually becomes true. Um, so, so we just see a lot of um, cases where there's um, people feeling isolated and in yeah, not having that social connection at work because others, you know, first of all, they don't want to become the next target um so that so they just sort of become the the yes people with the boss. but also um they they just sort of buy into that story that the bully tells
1: well, and it kind of sounds like the uh, an old quote, uh, I don't even know how old it is, but it really comes down to this quote that says i am not I am not who you think I am." I'm not who I think I am. I am who I think you think I am. So it almost sounds like because these workplace bullies or other employees are trying to kind of cut somebody out from the herd or separate somebody because they themselves feel threatened, the person that is the target seems to start believing that, hey, all of these people think this about me. So now then they start believing at that and it becomes... It, it propagates into their behavior actually changing to fit that that mold that all of a sudden they've been cast into.
0: Right. Yeah, they they start to believe, well, if everybody else believes this, then it must be true.
1: Gotcha. And so isolation right. seems to be a major issue with the workplace experience. So one of these tools you talked about is to bring people out of isolation, so how do you bring them out of isolation, and when you do that, when they come out of isolation, how does that actually change their behavior, or at least change their perception at work, how they they perceive the work experience, and how does that impact their well-being?
0: So a lot of people over the years, when they have discovered a, a lot of information I've actually put out from legislation that I'm working on around this, um, they feel this huge sense of relief. They feel like, you know, they start to read descriptions of what workplace abuse looks like and how it manifests in, um, you know, stress symptoms and what some of the tactics are. And they, it, it becomes really textbook and they just feel this sense of relief that they're not the problem. Um, and so, we, I do a lot of um, work. I have a closed Facebook group where people can connect with other people, and they, it's, it, you know, I've gotten a response that is kind of a lifeline for them. And I also have an online class where I teach people not not just the basics of what workplace abuse is, so they can, you know, understand how their situation fits into sort of the, the, these textbook situations, but also gives them like short term and long term tools so that they can maybe detach in the short term or just reframe what's happening to them and also just get, in the long term, get back to defining themselves on on their terms. So they might be people or they're often people who maybe had very authoritarian parents and associated um, love with approval because the love wasn't um, unconditional. And so they're used to defining themselves by how other people define them and I do a lot in the the online course um, with getting people back to like what what they define themselves as and then we're also in the process of launching um, live peer support groups nationally so that people can have that like live connection with other people who've experienced this because it's such a it's such an epidemic, but it's also something that not a lot of people talk about. It's not a household term. Um, It's not something that a lot of people are necessarily aware of, but as soon as they hear that term, they start to, they start to be able to Google articles on it and they start to be able to just get taken out of that isolation.
1: Well, and it sounds like you're hitting this from a couple of different angles that actually impacts this feeling of isolation. And I, I love how you're doing it because I actually just had a conversation about this with somebody who, who coaches and has a, a large business helping um, small business CEOs, entrepreneurs, that sort of thing with the same kind of thing about isolation. And I love this because I see this correlation where it's still all about the people. So what you guys seem to be doing in your organization to help targets of workplace bullying is trying to remove this feeling of isolation and you're using, you're doing it really in a couple of ways. One, it looks like you're using social media, you're using technology instead of where technology sometimes can drive people away from each other and, and almost create isolation. You're finding ways to bring people together through online coaching, through the Facebook group, so that they are more connected uh, nationally, even probably internationally, more connected with other people dealing with the same thing. So now they feel like they're part of a group. And then you're doing something where you're actually creating peer support groups where people can get together. Now, are these peer support groups in person? Are they face-to-face?
0: They will be. They're, they're brand new, but that's the goal to... to Bring people together, um, sort of like in an AA or Al-Anon situation, where they can, you know, maybe create friendships outside of the group, or um, you know, even maybe have a mentor, or just just to have that like face-to-face human connection, where they can really feel validated and not alone in the situation. Yeah, so they'll be they'll be live. Care support groups.
1: Well, and that's why I love what you're doing because you're dealing with each individual and you're recognizing that they do need to be part of groups. They do need to have social bonds. They do need to get esteem from those groups they belong to. And if they're not getting that at work, that could be a huge detriment to people but also to organizations and I don't know if you've done any work in this area but it seems to me that when people are targets of workplace abuse of of workplace bullying that the organization truly does end up suffering because it's not just the person that suffers but because these bonds aren't tight in the workplace the actual workplace suffers because so much energy is going into protecting ourselves from other people in the organization that we can't focus outside the organization we can't look for opportunities or threats that are outside because we have so many threats inside the organization do you see some of that in the organizations you work with
0: um well working with the organizations this is the sort of newer piece of it but over the years working on the legislation there's there's studies that have been done. Um, the Workplace Bullying Institute in Seattle has done a ton of work in in seeing how workplace abuse harms actual organizations. And we see things like absenteeism, turnover, what, what they call presenteeism, which is actually being at work but not concentrating on your work. So all these, these, and then things like um health insurance costs going up or, or, settlement claims, or, you know, all of these costs going into um, being factored into the actual harm on the organization. And then there's things that you can't quantify, just things like the culture thing um, opportunities that may have been missed that, um, that are a direct result of having a toxic work culture, which is actually what, um, what is ultimately responsible for the for workplace abuse happening? So if you have higher ups or a CEO that you know makes sure that there are policies in place and enforced, which is the key part to make sure that workplace abuse isn't happening, then and you know other factors that create self, safe and healthy workplaces um, and making that a priority, then people can thrive and be creative. Um, And be productive but when you have have you know higher ups siding with bullies and not having policies and ignoring people when they report incidences of bullying um then you have then that it creates an entire culture where people are sort of in like self-protection mode and they're not um they're not being collaborative they're not being as productive as they would like to be they're just they're spending a lot of time on trying to dodge bullying situations so there there is a, a huge cost to organizations um that don't care about you know the the well-being of, and safety of their employees
1: Well, and that's where I really like where you're going with this, because when we're talking about the workplace and companies and what they should be doing with the workplace experience, it does come down to most organizations across the world are, they're really good and they're able to get to this place where, okay, they can provide a a paycheck and they can provide the minimums of what people need physiologically, right? They can provide the bathrooms and they could pro- provide the required breaks and they can provide uh, that sort of stuff, health insurance. But that's kind of like the bottom of, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but where excellent organizations exist is really at the top where they are providing self-actualization and esteem and those sorts of things. But what I've seen and what it sounds like the, the research into workplace abuse and workplace bullying has shown is that many organizations aren't able to do that they they don't provide what people actually need at the higher end of the of Maslow's hierarchy at the at what actually people need for esteem and for behavior and to feel belonging and it seems like and I'm looking at your your website it seems like majority of employers actually make the problem worse when they find out about it
0: right most of them ignore it um, so this is, this is sort of where the legislation piece comes in, is that if most, if most um, employers are ignoring the situation because they don't want liability for acknowledging it, then, then we need our governments to actually um, have workplace abuse laws so that the liability will be on the employer for not doing something about the abuse. Well, and Um,
1: not doing something is you might as well just condone it.
0: Right. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Well, and so when we're talking about these employers, right, we're talking about the organization as a whole, but these organizations are made up of all these different roles people play, the workers, supervisors. And so when I looked at your, your website, I'm also seeing that the majority, I mean, it's not, it's, 61% 61% based on the the information you have, but 61% of abusers are supervisors. I mean, to me, that's pretty shocking because in my opinion, supervisors, leaders should be in a position where they're, they're trying to help their employees and they're trying to create a cohesive, trusting team. It's kind of scary to look that 61% of the abusers are supervisors.
0: Right, yeah. There's a lot of situations where it's it's basically an abusive power situation where a manager um, either just has this worldview that um, that workplaces are about competition and power and you know they're they're trying to protect themselves rather than caring about the um, the actual organization or they're just plain old not trained properly in how to how to manage. Um, But that this is why we see such a higher incidence of workplace abuse in the healing professions because we have, you know, in, in areas like nursing, teaching, government, nonprofits, we have people who care more about the organization and, you know, collaboration. And that worldview directly opposes, you know, a higher up who might come in who cares mostly about their power and mostly about. You know, abusing that power and having people fall in line with their orders and um, creating more of, of like a dictatorship culture rather than a collaborative culture where people can feel heard for, for the expertise that they're bringing in.
1: Well, and that's a huge deal for me, just, just listening to you talk, because it really comes down to supervisors, managers, people in positions of of power over other people that are looking at it like that and that really comes down to are we going to view workers as problems as problems we need to solve or are we going to are we going to view workers and line personnel as valuable and value adding to the organization value adding to the mission it really seems like it comes down to this issue of perception on how our supervisors looking at workers. Are they looking at workers as problems to be solved or as people that add value to the solutions and to the opportunities that the organization gets to be a part of? It just seems like with a number that high, it just seems like supervisors are taking the view of people as problems and not uh, people as value.
0: Right. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what, what they're doing. They're perceiving, um, uh, it's kind of like perceiving the worker as, as as the enemy really rather than um and and also putting like, money over people in a lot of situations rather than seeing that people putting effort and um support into your people will actually help you make money um and it, it's an area also is just Recently, read a book um, called *Dying for a Paycheck*, written by a, a professor at Stanford. His name is Jeffrey Pfeffer, and he um, wrote a lot about how we have regulations for, you know, the environment that that force companies to, you know, meet certain regulations because we, as a as a culture, decide that we care about our environmental health, but we don't have that same outlook towards our employees and their well-being. We don't have, as a culture, we don't, our governments aren't regulating, um, you know, aren't aren't enforcing, we don't, we don't have laws for companies and managers to um, care about employee well-being and to make sure that the employees aren't being um, abused. But, you know, he talks about a whole host of other issues like layoffs and healthcare costs. And um, things like that, but you know, workplace workplace abuse absolutely falls into you know something that we're not regulating
1: as a culture. Well, and so this is where is really leading me now. Now we talked about the individual, the targets that are, that are being targeted for workplace bullying or workplace abuse. And now we're moving into organizations and how they deal with it, that a lot of them ignore it either because they don't understand what they can do, or they just choose not to do something. And it actually almost condones that workplace abuse and makes it worse. And then we're moving into the people that are actually doing it, whether knowingly or unknowingly, um, of the, in this role of supervisor or manager that are propagating and actually being the workplace bullies. So if there are people listening that are in this role of supervisor and they're thinking, wow, do I do that? Do I micromanage my employees? Do I think that they are going to mess up? Am I coming from a place of, of negativity instead of positivity on how I view my workers, what kind of tools can they use to change their view or what kind of skill sets or what should they focus on to get out of this place where they might be thinking right now, hey, maybe I'm a workplace bully and don't even realize it. What kind of techniques and tactics can they now use to, to move away from a uh, toxic work environment? I mean, what can they do to create a more positive work environment?
0: So I'm working on a class now, an online class for managers that will go over, you know, first of all, their mindset of needing humility and not not necessarily needing all of the answers, but needing humility with their workers and, you know, acknowledging their power, basically, but also getting into the nitty gritty of, you know, defining goals with their their employees and, um you know, well, first defining a vision and then defining goals and and getting everybody working along that vision, but from a concrete way of setting goals and making sure they're on track with their goals. So, so a way to um, focus employers and managers on things, you know, specific tools that they can use to. Um, I actually don't like the word empower, but to just acknowledge the the power their employees already have um, so that so that they're doing things in a way that that tr- where they can trust their employees and acknowledge the expertise that they bring to the table while still making sure that they're um, that they're working towards the goals that will get the company further along in you know whatever it is that they're they're focusing on so that you know to their vision so, It will be a whole series of videos that managers can watch to, um, you know, anything from how often to meet with an employee who might not be on track with their goals, to um, you know how how to have conversations with employees where where they're not getting caught up in gossip and they're getting focused back on how they can help their employees or their coworkers. Um, so different tools that, em- that employers and managers can use so that they um, don't develop toxic management habits You know, before they can even, um, before they even like start managing people or if they have developed those ta- those toxic tactics, what they can switch to that might be more effective.
1: Well, and it does sound like that it, it goes along with a lot of studies into social groups and in groups and out groups and how you can bring them closer together, how you can, you can remove conflict. All of those things really comes down to what you're saying because you're, you're talking about defining vision, defining goals, making sure they're on track with our goals. I mean, those are things we've heard, for, heard forever when it comes to businesses and dealing in, with companies and how do you meet your, your metrics and all that stuff. However, It seems like you're coming from a better place, a different place where you recognize that what you're trying to do is create this superordinate goal, this thing that people, no matter what their role can go after, but they can go after it in a way that isn't just, hey, I better hit these marks because if I don't, I get in trouble. It really comes down to empowering people or recognizing employee power to reach those things because it gives them a sense of purpose. And if you do it the right way, it's not going to be viewed by the worker as, hey, I better do this or I'm going to get in trouble or, hey, I better do this to keep the supervisor off my back or, hey, I better do this because I just don't want to suffer their wrath because they're a target of workplace abuse. But really, it comes down to, hey, we're in this together and I am trying to strive to reach these things because it gives me a sense of purpose. It gives me a sense of belonging to this group that I trust that I have a relationship with. Because it sounds like we're still trying to do the same things business has done forever, reach our goals, meet our marks, uh, make sure the metrics are right. But we're coming at it from a different place, a place of, of positive perception about the worker and about the team and about the organization. Is that That's kind of what I'm hearing from you. Am I, am I on track here?
0: yeah that's exactly it. So aligning everybody along the purpose so they can all feel like they're on a winning team, um you know, this obviously wouldn't be necessarily for somebody who cares only about their power, but more for people who might be in a new situation where they know they don't want um, they know they don't want to be abusive towards their employees and do the wrong thing, but they just don't know what the right thing is or they've struggled with trying to figure out um, things that, you know, tools to to bring out the power in their workers and they're, you know, maybe resorting to things that aren't working. So this is an opportunity for people to um, find out what does work and then also um, talk to other managers and employers and, you know, have that same online connection with other people, who, um, who might be struggling with some of the same issues that they are.
1: Well, I would say this, that there are people out there that are kind of on the tail end of the bell curve that are all about the power. But what I would like to say for any of the executives, the, the bosses, the people that are out there that have the ability to get rid of those people that do that. I mean, if if you actually have somebody that is all about the power, that's creating a toxic environment, Sometimes you can't change them and maybe you just need to get rid of them. And I would also say to the people that, that may not have that ability to get rid of these toxic supervisors because they're protected some way, um, that you, you just can't fire them, you can't get rid of them, whatever it happens to be, that if you institute some of these things and the whole bell curve of your supervisory staff moves to the right toward the positive, now those people start feeling isolated. And it's almost like you're now operationalizing or you're, I don't know, you're weaponizing the workplace abuse, workplace bullying, the things that come about, the, the isolation and that sort of thing that might actually change the behavior of that negative person because, boy, that one toxic supervisor can create a cancer in the organization. So, Deb, what you're doing really seems to resonate I mean, it resonates with me and I think it's gonna resonate with a lot of people out there that are interested in this and want to have a great workplace experience. So the people that want to find out more, because it sounds like there's a lot of stuff you're doing now, but there's also a lot of positive stuff on the horizon. How do people get in touch with you? How do they follow what your organization's doing? How do they how do they see what's coming on the horizon? What's the best way for people to get in touch with you and what kind of services are you offering to people?
0: The to reach us is to just go to dignitytogether.org. um we have everything on there we're pretty um active on facebook as well um and a little bit of twitter um but yeah those are the best ways to reach us and to reach me directly at info at together.org um but yeah the the management piece is on the horizon but we have um, we're very active now with the the target end of it. People can dive right in getting support online on Facebook and taking classes and that sort of thing.
1: Well, that sounds great. I will put a link to dignitytogether.org in the show notes because I really think this is an important topic. I mean, today we covered so much. We covered the fact that isolation really is causing issues in the workplace. I mean, this feeling of isolation from others in your workplace that comes about from from workplace bullying or workplace abuse does seem like a major issue. And I love the fact that you're trying to overcome that not only through online technology means, but actually trying to create face-to-face, in-person peer support groups that can help people. And then moving into understanding that organizations need to have a way to deal with workplace abuse because ignoring it is just as bad as condoning it or, or doing it. I mean, you really have to take action to prevent it, to change the culture, to not allow it to happen. And then I love the fact that you're moving into a place where you are going to give people that want it the tools to make sure that they aren't actually being workplace bullies or they aren't actually creating a, a workplace experience that is more, toxic, but you're trying to give people tools so that they create this more creative, trusting work environment where people can actually thrive. I love all of that. So, for everybody out there, if you get a chance, go check out DignityTogether.org. See what they're doing. Follow what they're doing because it sounds like there's some great stuff on the horizon. And Deb, I really wanted to thank you for coming on to the Crucial Talks podcast and talking to us about workplace abuse, workplace bullying, but really coming at it from a a positive recognition of, hey, people are the strength of our organizations, of our companies, and I love what you're doing. So thank you so much for, for coming on to the podcast.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Mike. I appreciate it.
1: Well, we I think I learned a lot from this. I really hope people check this out because we do need to have better workplace experiences. The return on investment for doing that is huge. So anybody out there, if you have a chance, I'd also love for you to visit my website at www.crucialtalks.com. Reach out for me if you need anything. And please leave a review for the podcast. Share it, rate it, because if you got any value from this talk we just had with Deb, I really think that other people can get value also. So please share the podcast and review it so more people can find us. Have a great week. And remember, if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people. Please review, share, and subscribe to the Crucial Talks podcast. Visit
0: crucialtalks.com.